G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. G'day legends, how the bloody hell are ya? <laughs> At the time of this recording, I'm living in Sweden, I've been here for almost two years and we're moving back to Australia in a month, so I thought I'd better just make sure I've still got my Aussie slang dialed in, how the bloody hell are you, mate? <laughs> no, it's all good, I still connect with family, friends and clients in Australia almost every day. So I don't think I'll lose it. And actually, on a video call last week with one of my good friends, she said, Robbo, it's so good to hear that you haven't lost your Bogan accent, mate. (laughs) So if I haven't lost it after two years living in a foreign country where I'm speaking 90% Swedish to my kids, I speak to them in Swedish as much as I can. Uh, So I learn at the same rate as them. And I speak a lot of Swedish to friends and family here. So if I haven't lost it yet, then I think I'll have this Bogan accent for life. And the reason why I didn't say 90% of Swedish to friends and family here is because it's very different speaking Swedish to a three-year-old compared to grown people where you want to express yourself and get deep and meaningful and throw in all of these extra words and uh, expressions that I just simply haven't learned how to piece together yet. (laughs) Speaking of Bogan accent, this episode that you're about to listen to is me being interviewed, so you're going to hear my accent a lot. I was interviewed on Steph Lowe's podcast again, and it's called Health, Happiness, and Humankind. And we chatted a lot about parenting struggles, maintaining healthy routines when things get tough, and just plenty of other things around health and optimal well-being. Plus, we had some good old laughs about how fucking hard it can be to maintain our lifestyle when we're running a business, running a family, and running our lives. And I just felt like it was a a great episode that brought out some discussions that I haven't shared so much on this podcast. So I thought you legendary listeners might get some value from it hearing me interviewed uh, on another podcast. And for those of you who don't know or don't remember, I've had Steph Lowe on the podcast earlier and she's actually coming on again uh, very soon. But Steph Lowe is the natural nutritionist. That's her business name and her Instagram handle. Steph has a passion for spreading a positive message about real food and the incredible effect it has on health, fertility, and performance. She has an undergraduate degree in sport and exercise science and a postgraduate degree in human nutrition. And she launched her company, The Natural Nutritionist, in 2011. And Steph is on a mission to inspire others to make health a priority in their lives. Okay. Now let's hear from the legend himself, hang on, that's me, (laughs) Brett Robbo being interviewed by Steph Lowe. In today's episode, we are joined by Brett Robinson for an inspiring conversation about non-negotiables, 
morning routines and gratitude, plus how to make sure it all happens no matter how busy you are. Brett is a hands-on father of two and I relate so much to his journey and am so appreciative of his transparency, motivation and advice. This was just what I needed to hear and I hope you too have some incredible takeaways to action after today's conversation. Let's welcome Brett back to the show. Hey, Brett, welcome back to the show. Steph, I'm abundantly grateful to be connecting with you again. And we just had a chat before we started about how close our kids are in age. And when I asked you what you're grateful for and you had a good laugh and you came back to that, I couldn't (laughs) help but connect with you there with that laugh, with the amount of joy and happiness and oxytocin from love that they bring us, as well as the Oh, the abundance of stress and frustration and all of these little triggers. It's a fun, fun time to be alive with toddlers, isn't it? I know. And <laughs> I do find it so helpful to remember that there are others in the trenches with me. Like we we have spoken about on your show and <laughs> connected on IG about the similarities in their ages. So roughly two years apart. And plenty of people have kids closer than that. But to me, this last year with little Rosie arriving has just been like nothing I could have expected or planned for. And she's amazing and such a sweetheart. But we've had lots of challenges in the sleep department and that adds to the deprivation and the stress. And so, you know, needing to support the body more, certainly, which I I know is like the work that you live and breathe. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing you. Everything that you said there about the the sleep challenges, including mm-hmm. last night, actually. So it's the morning here. I'm I'm based in Sweden at the time of this recording, and this morning and uh, most nights over the last couple of months have been like that. It's been a real challenge, and hence why the yeah the the, the rituals and the routines are even more of a focus point when there's those uncontrollable challenges that are thrown into the mix. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. It might be just what I need as a bit of a reminder as well. But before we do, I want to hear a little bit bit about Sweden because you weren't there when we last spoke. It's actually been too long since we've connected, but I just (laughs) wanted to get like a bit of a personal update from you as well. We Yeah, the last podcast we did together was October 2020 Mm. and we left, my wife and I left Australia on early December 2020, so not long after that. And we were coming to Sweden where my wife is from to have our second bub and we had our return flights booked for six months later. So bub was due February. We left December, bub was due February. We were heading back in June. And during that period of time, lots of things. So we actually had to apply to leave Australia at that time. It's crazy Mm -hmm. thinking about it now looking back. Uh, we had to fill out this massive application and go under the microscope to see that we were actually allowed to leave the country and they let us leave. And we came to Sweden and that was in the middle of the pandemic. People were actually saying, you're crazy going there. Like, look at what's happening over there in Sweden. And, you know, the numbers are so much higher. Everything's really good here in Australia. And we sort of touched base with all our family and friends over here in Sweden and said, how is it there? And they said, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah, there's numbers, but it's it's fine. Like I don't mm. know what the world's sort of talking about. So we came over and um and and settled into it and had a baby amongst it all. And not once did we feel any fear or any worry or any doubt or un- uncertainty. And uh, my wife and I, we chose not to um not to get the vaccination for for some personal and very obvious reasons. 
And so even when we were here and there was a bit of pressure increasing around all of that, we, mm. we sort of just um, sunk into wisdom and, and trusted everything around that. So anyway, the, the six months ended up getting pushed out because of the rules that Australia brought in and mm. the way that it went and this massive great divide that we uh, disappointingly watched happen throughout Australia when we were here in Sweden and things were kind of going the other way where they were realising and accepting it for what it was and rules and uh, there was never any mandates, never any mandates, but rules were always getting lighter and lighter and lighter and we watched the opposite happening in Australia. So we had the opportunity to not go back into that and stay here where life was quite normal and there was no great divide and, and what we saw in Australia was quite saddening. So we chose to stay here and extended it and we both, um, my wife, coaches doing personal training and uh, online health coaching as well and I do the same with clients globally so we were able to do that and and then here we are at the time of this recording we're heading back to Australia in three months time uh, after it will be just under two years and we were leaving for six months but we Mm. see that you know the the rules in Australia have settled and what I said from the start was by the time we go back I don't think that we will have to do two weeks hotel quarantine and pay $10,000 like people were doing. I don't, I think that they will allow unvaccinated people back in because I believe that the evidence will be clear by then that there is, um, you know, that we're not zombies and we'll be allowed back into countries like that because here we are in Europe and we're accepted as human beings and many people are. So, uh, you know, we, December 2021, we actually moved to Spain for three months in amongst it all as well. And the reason I bring that up is because when we look at the way that we, we live our life and what we live for, and, you know, we're very, I, I say that I'm an optimistic lover of life and addicted to gratitude and we're just, we just thrive in abundance. And when we live from abundance, as opposed to from fear and scarcity, we were still challenged to live our life of travel and adventure and fun, which are top core values of ours but also living in alignment with our other top core values and priorities of our, our health and our family. So in December, uh, sorry, in October, November, December, 2021, we decided to move to Spain for three months from Sweden because here in Sweden, that's the transition months and the weather changes and it's cold and wet and rainy, but from kind of end of December through until April, there's lots of snow and we love the snow. So we decided to move down to Spain and follow the sunshine while the weather transitioned here. We didn't want to be amongst that. And uh, we came back in in December. And, you know, the the move throughout that with two young kids and us being unvaccinated and uh, the, the numbers skyrocketing in Spain and things like that, we assessed it from a, from a wise kind of perspective and realized actually, no, we're, we're no less safe anywhere in the world when we look at it for what it was. So that's where we're at right now. And uh, we've got, so we came last time we chatted, you and I had one toddler and there was obviously <laughs> other ones on the way. <laughs> one, each. one each. And here we are with two each and, yeah. and uh, sharing the same challenges again. You sound so much more optimistic than I am. Like I'm dying to (laughs) 
hear how you do it because I'm just so tired. I don't, I, <laughs> I obviously need to do more of a gratitude practice. I can, I can hear that already. But um, yeah, it's interesting your experience in Sweden because I have a good friend that's over there and we were chatting on Instagram about like just what you said around the, the reality which we weren't being um, fed in Australia unless we selected our sources closely and I said all along I've said like Sweden was right we can see that now and you know unfortunately hindsight is a wonderful thing but it's interesting to hear your journey because um your your timing has been quite good to to see what's going to happen to allow you guys back home which is which is awesome which is obviously what it should have been initially but um the dust has settled to a degree except for unfortunately those that are still out of work and that's a whole another story (laughs) Yeah. but glad to hear you can come back home soon yeah absolutely and and what you just said there with the dust settling one thing i've also been saying for from pretty much the beginning is when the fear dust settles sanity will prevail mm. and that's what we've seen happen a lot pretty quickly in recent times and it's still going to happen a lot uh, i think you know america is probably in the worst position than anywhere in the world when we look at all the sagas still happening there and then uh, Australia took a while to catch up, but when you know it's happening now, which is really good. And yes, there is a lot of um, negative byproducts that have happened from it that people can make their own uh, opinions on. But as that sanity starts to prevail, and we realise uh, what we've all just shifted through, uh, it's you know I I um, I actually did a social media post. So when we so we got COVID in February this year, mm. February, 2022. And my, our one-year-old daughter, so it was just before her first, no, the few days after her first birthday, she had lots of breathing difficulties and ended up in hospital with breathing difficulties. And my wife and I had some symptoms for a day or so. And, you know, a bit lethargic and things like that. Our one-year-old son, he was on the couch for a day. And then the next day he was bouncing off the walls again, like nothing had happened. So it affected us all in kind of different ways. But the reason I bring this up is just the way that we um, shifted through it with and, and the experience that I had around it. I shared my experience on Instagram after that. And it was, it was scary with our daughter. Uh, but when they took her to hospital and they tested her and they said, yeah, she's got COVID. Thank God it's only COVID and it's not something more serious. She'll be fine. But that was the, the words from, from the, the medical staff. So we were, we were grateful that it was only that. And she recovered fine and hasn't had any lingering effects and, and neither have any of us that we know of. So uh, it, was, it was a good experience to have to, um, to know what it was like and to know that we're uh, not superhuman and not immune to anything. Regardless of COVID, I've always said, I used to get the shits when I'd, I'd get sick because I prioritise my health and I do so <laughs> many amazing things and then I would get sick and I think, why, why? I do all of this. And uh, I'm just continuously reminded that I'm human and I'm not bulletproof. So that was a a good reminder around. I know, but we also want to mount the immune response, right? So (laughs) I I actually was really wanting to hear about um, your daughter because our friend, our mutual friend Amber reached out to me. I don't know if she ever told you. Yes, she did actually. Yeah, she reached out to me and just was talking about NAC and like N-acetylcysteine and what we might do. And I wasn't actually sure of what you guys did in the end. So I knew about the hospital trip and you guys were definitely in my thoughts, but I didn't know the outcome. So 
Yes, I want to thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, because we had been following your stuff, but for to get a direct response from you through Amber, we did use the NAC uh, in the dosages uh, Mm. to to support through that. And you know, it's one of those things. I'm not sure what helped, and yeah, uh, but we we did we certainly didn't sit around just hoping that it would disappear and that hoping things would be okay. Mm. We took steps like that, and you know, we brewed up there. I can't remember what it's called now, but with the the, the grapefruit skins and things like that. We did. Yeah, we just did everything that all yeah. the all those natural kind of ways and and supplements that we believed in to to shift through that. And maybe that's why, you know, we prepared in that way as well, where we were not with the kids, but for my wife and I. Maybe that's why we weren't as affected mm. from it as well. So it's we don't. And know your your wife was breastfeeding when your little one got COVID. No, no, she had finished only two months before. Okay. Yeah, Indiana was ten months when she decided to. Interesting. Yeah. Not be on the boob anymore. Yeah. So she wasn't actually breastfeeding. And that, and that might have been part of it as well. Like that's obviously her journey. But when my Rose got COVID and she was, this was January. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was um, March. It was March when Rose and I got COVID and she was sick for 12 hours but was breastfeeding like you wouldn't believe. And that oh, was like really? where I was obviously grateful to be able to help her because I had been supplementing and, um, mm. you know, there's there's nothing quite like breast milk when it comes to the immune, immune support. Absolutely. It's magical. Mm. Um, fascinating though. But the preparation, I want to kind of tie in that to our topic for today because I know how passionate you are about how you live your life, like values certainly I hear you talk about a lot, but the strategies that you live and breathe, which creates the foundation, which meant that the experience for you was so straightforward and we've learnt that. Like if COVID hasn't has taught us one thing, it was the importance of having that foundation of, of health and not having the comorbidities that would increase risk. And I've said a million times, that's obviously going to be one of the big silver linings that a lot of people have learnt. But you've been doing this for much longer than the pandemic. Like tell us about, <laughs> you know, tell us about the the start of it for you, like when you really started to build those, those habits and, and equally, you know, why it's so important to you. Yeah, and when I think about those habits, what comes to mind mm. is uh, how they've evolved. So, I've, mm. in terms of health-wise, I was an athlete, and then I was a coach for high-performance athletes. And you know, we spoke about yeah. that a couple of years ago on the podcast. So, yeah. the the actual physical training aspect and recovery, it was, it was quite normal. But one thing in high-performance sport, high-performance sport doesn't mean health. No, because you look at a lot of footballers or elite athletes that can eat shitty foods and train and burn off those calories Mm -hmm. and be high-performance athletes. And they can drink Gatorade and uh, take um, protein powders that are full of crap as well. So it doesn't mean health. High-performance sport and fitness and strength does not equal health. So that was one thing that became really evident to me Mm -hmm. the more that I started working with functional medicine practitioners and uh, looking into functional nutrition and different things like that. And so when I started to bridge that gap and look at more of the 
you know, clean eating and gut health. Once I became addicted to understanding gut health and the gut brain connection, it was very evident to me that a lot of the things that we were doing in high performance sport were sadly um, mm. just detrimental. Might have talked to, to you about this when I had you on my show, but I'll just briefly mention it that one of the sports nutritionists that was at one of the facilities, I won't name it, one of the, the <laughs> national facilities that I was at. <laughs> uh, I used to have really good chats with her. She was great. And, and talking about gut health and, and, you know, the implications that some of the athletes must have post, post-sport especially. Mm. And she said to me one day, she said, Robbo, I'm actually embarrassed to put my name to some of these things on the internet. Like, if the athletes just want energy, you know, have a, a sandwich with, with jam and to, to get the, you know, you'll get a good, good hit out energy from that. And some of the things that they recommend about breakfast cereals and things like that. And she said, but look who we're sponsored by, like our hands are tied. And that, that really hit me because it was obvious to me, but I hadn't actually heard it from the inside. Yeah. And it just goes in alignment with regard outside of high performance sport, how much big pharma and you know, how much money is, is involved in all of that. Mm. Anyway, slight tangent, but coming back to uh, bridging that gap from understanding strength and fitness and performance, it does not equal health. Mm. And so when you look at holistic health and when I look at aging gracefully, I'm, I'm living till I'm 110 and I'm running when I'm 110. So the decisions that I make now impact that. What I mean by running when I'm 110 is I'm, I'm not interested to live old and not be active and not be able mm. to actually that running when I'm 110, I've been saying that for a lot of years. Now it's actually resting with my grandkids and great grandkids when I'm 110. So mm. that's more of my, my vision of that. Yeah. So my choices, you know, my healthy habits and my choices are all in alignment with that. And it's far from perfect. I am not one to say, that I'll never eat sugar and I won't eat any processed foods and mm. I do not drink a drop of alcohol or anything like that, <laughs> but it's all in moderation and, and uh, with very much a very mindful aspect of the way that I approach that. Mm. So that's where it all sort of started around coming from high performance sport. But since 2017, you know, I finished my career on a high. I was awarded Australian para athletics coach of the year and uh, my my career trajectory was clear that I had world's best coaches and mentors uh, to to follow, and they my they were world's best because they consistently put in the effort. And I knew that if I kept learning from them over the next decade, I could be one of the world's best coaches. It was evident to me that, and my mindset was, it's not going to be easy, but it's simple. Keep doing these things, keep learning from world's best, keep implementing, and just have that discipline and commitment as a coach to get the best out of the athletes. And I, I could see the trajectory, but it also felt like the ceiling was a bit low in high performance sport. And I wanted to work outside of high performance sport and, and create greater impact in, I say everybody's lives, but people who are driven to, uh, to live a greater life and to live on purpose and to, to bring uh, more meaning into their lives. And, and it was great through high performance sport, but I wanted I wanted more than that. And I share with you and your listeners on the episode, the first episode that we did, that it was through major adversity and tragedy where my grandparents were murdered who were very close to me and it took me on this emotional journey. So all of that kind of happened around the same time that allowed me to, to change my perspective of the world and 
live more in in alignment with the you know the abundance mindsets and and understand that regardless of how well we prepare ourselves life is unpredictable mm. and i hate the saying of yolo you only live once when people align that with just not caring and being reckless and not eating well and not treating their relationships well because yolo like who, anything can happen tomorrow, you get hit by a bus. And so I flip that and say, YOLO, you only live once. So uh, you might as well live on purpose and on point because if you don't get hit by a bus tomorrow and you live to 110, you turn around and you, you say, I wish I didn't live that way. I wish I spent more time looking after my health. I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish I didn't overwork all of these wishes. Then I, I'm one, you know, there was that book, Sorry, on slight tangents here. There was a book on uh, written from an Australian lady who spent a lot of time in hospice care with people. I can't remember her name. Oh, the de- the regrets of the dying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, I know and that is so powerful. Let's find her name. Carry on. Phrases. Yeah. I, I'm. I, I think she was Australian. I could be wrong, but um, we'll claim her. Us Aussies will claim her. So one of the most <laughs> common phrases was uh, at the end of the time. So she she collated it, the, the most common phrases that people would say at the end of their time mm-hmm. before they passed mm-hmm. away. And it was the most common phrases were I wish and it was often followed by I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish oh, yeah. I didn't overwork. I wish I looked after my health more, those kind of things. So I say and, and with everyone I work with, instead of let's, let's fast forward time and when we get there, instead of saying I wish, let's, let's design our lives to ensure that we're saying I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that I did. I'm grateful that I did. Even people that I work with that are middle age and they haven't made these great choices throughout their whole life, even being able to say, I'm grateful at the ripe old age of 50, I made the decision and the commitment to make those changes, to age more gracefully and improve my quality of life for the back end of my time on this planet. So I'm always a big advocate of switching I wish to I'm grateful for or I'm grateful I did. And it makes me think of that saying that if you want to know what your life looks like in 10 years, take a look at what your life looks like today because the things that you do today create that future. And I think we're all out here thinking about that house that we might own or what my life looks like when my kids are at school, which I'm guilty of doing sometimes. <laughs> you know, but really like it's about, yeah, being grateful for one, being grateful for what you've got now. But I think that, you know, creating that ideal life. So it isn't going to be a regret. The book is the top five regrets of the dying and her name is Bronnie Ware, W-A-R-E. And it is, it's an international best-selling memoir, but just so powerful to think about those regrets and how to live your life so you aren't the one with those regrets. Absolutely. And going back to habits, one thing that people will say is, yeah, but I should have, I could have, or yeah, but when I hear, when and when I'm working with people and I will they get a breakthrough and I've helped them reframe something, reframe a past experience or to see things differently and they and see it in their face straight away. And I say, tell me your yeah, buts. So in their mind, it makes a lot of sense, but we're straight away. What we do as humans will say, yeah, but, and often that's followed by, yeah, but it's all too difficult or yeah, but I don't have time for that. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, but it's, I don't know what to do, but it's often, yeah, but I don't have time for all of that. And I'm really grateful that I have two toddlers that have, you know, we call our son the hurricane because the (laughs) amount of energy that he has is just, Uh, it's unmatched, seriously. uh, And when I tell my mom, she says, yep, that was you. Congratulations. Yeah, and, she, and she's like, oh, karma. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I often think so, about that actually. Yeah. <laughs> so a great mental reframe for me when, when that um, beautiful hurricane energy turns into just screaming and tantrums and, and the terrible twos and threes behaviors is it's just energy. It's just an abundance of energy. Uh, I can't remember where I was going with that now. Oh, actually, so um, people say, yeah, buts. Mm-hmm. And we all do it, yeah, but I don't have time or yeah, but it's all too hard. And so the, the gratitude of me having these toddlers with so much energy is uh, I went from a life of when I shifted and learned about meditation and priming and this great morning routine and I had this solid 20, 25-minute morning routine that included all of that. And then mm-hmm. I had lots of healthy behaviors on the other side of that. And now having two toddlers it's it's impossible because I'm not going to get up at 4 a.m. because when you've been awake all night, yeah, (laughs) I know. Sleep is actually way more important than getting that uh, morning routine in. So what I've identified is what are the key things that really move the needle forward that I can still fit in to the mornings with the kids. And I did a post a couple of days ago on my Instagram, did a one minute reel, and it shows me uh, with my warm lemon water and apple cider vinegar and sometimes i have bulletproof coffee and and then i sit down uh, so it looks like you know beautiful start to the morning and my hair is an absolute mess and my <laughs> eyes are puffy and i look across and there's my daughter and it's 4 30 in the morning and she's been up all night she's awake and then oh. <laughs> she's awake and, you're my person uh, <clears throat> but then the next clip is i'm in the cold shower doing my breath work and I've designed a routine and I know the benefits of cold water immersion. Obviously, ice baths are much better, but we know that the cold water immersion, cold shock proteins, um, hit of dopamine in, in healthy, from healthy ways and obviously also noradrenaline and the certain breath work that I do as well in there escalates all of that. So I'm energizing myself and I look over and there's my daughter in the high chair right in front of me in the shower. And, you know, throwing food around too. The only way I could do it is to be able to actually take her in there and, and she's having a bit of a cry. And and then I sit down, uh, it, it's a different day, but the clip I show is, and I say in the, the text, surely I can have my morning poo in peace. <laughs> oh, no, so you cannot. <laughs> it's a selfie of me with my hair everywhere again. And I turn it around and here's my son and my daughter yelling and screaming and dancing and throwing toilet paper around all beside me. And usually the way that I fit things in is I journal every day mm-hmm. and I do it when I'm sitting on the toilet and it's not always when I'm there by myself. So I'm just looking at these things that move the needle yeah. forward and I'm still seeing how I can fit them in in that way. So that's just an example of a few and movement is a uh, is really important to me as well. And often the movement piece, I've got kids on my back or I'm holding them to do squats or uh, they're, they're running around me. I, I've just realize that it's it's really easy for me even to say no nah, it's too hard yeah I, I just won't do it or i'm too tired or what i know about nutrition wise is i'm i get hungry and i crave shitty foods when i'm tired and i know the science behind that with our leptin and ghrelin hormones so our hunger hormones and they're mm. kind of reversed so we uh we think that we're more hungry than what we are 
And so I don't have crappy foods to go for in the house. I just don't do it. Mm. That's a lie. We, we eat a bit of chocolate sometimes and we have some, some food sometimes, but it's not, it's a rarity that it's there when I'm in those tired spaces. We might buy it for a, a treat on the weekend and things like that. So I'm grateful that when I'm in those zones and I'll break my fast. So intermittent fasting is a huge part of my, my healthy habits as well for all of those benefits. And sometimes I'll break my fast and say, stuff it. I'm breaking my fast. I am. I know that this is just my hormones out of whack, but I'm going to break it. Hmm. But I, I only have choice to break it with the wild berries that we pick here in Sweden or um, good products that, that are in the house because that's the way that we support ourselves or, uh, liver pate or something like that. And mm. so it's, it, it might not be that I'm fasting and getting those benefits and I'm kind of uh, succumb to the victim mentality sometimes of I'm bloody tired. I deserve this, but it's a rarity. And because of the, the consistency around when it's not like that, I feel like, you know, I believe that it's not going to be stopping me from when I'm 110 and wrestling with the grandkids and great grandkids. I agree. And equally, when you are sleep deprived, like your whole nervous system is, is really quite depleted. So often extended fasting can make that worse. Like it's different for me because I'm breastfeeding still, but like I couldn't even fathom the sort of fasting that I've done previously right now, because I am very sleep deprived on top of everything else. So I think it is about acknowledging your circumstances, changing it to suit like you're doing with those strategies you gave like I often hear people talk about you know I get up at 5 30 and I and I do my meditation or no my tongue scraping and then my meditation and my journaling and my this and my that and then I wake up my daughter at seven o'clock and I like I want to stab their eye out with a fork because I'm like <laughs> you're waking your child up like you get an hour and a half by yourself like so you and I obviously have a similar experience where yeah the morning we we rarely have solo time, but how can we navigate those habits? Like what can we still do? And I, I love that term, move the needle forward, because you've got to look for those quick wins that will give you the biggest bang for your buck. Absolutely. And we look at the things that we're already doing and see how we can do them a little bit better. So, you know, we're already, we should already be consuming liquid in the morning to rehydrate. So how can we do that a little bit better with the hydration aspect? And that's why I choose the the lemon water mm. and apple cider vinegar and understanding gut health and things like that. We're already uh, breathing. How can we breathe a little bit better? That's mm. why I utilize coherence breathing or in the cold shower, I utilize what I call next level breathing for an energy up, especially on those days where it's the sleep deprivation. Uh, so we're already breathing. How can we breathe better? We're already eating, how can we eat a little bit better when we look mm-hmm. at our nutrition? We're already thinking, how can we think a little bit better? So that's shifting our victim mentality and our poor me and the yeah buts and the should and the could and the would into the more optimistic, abundance, gratitude type mindsets and thought processes. Uh, we're already, I used to say, we're already sleeping. How can we sleep a little bit better? If you've got toddlers and it's out of your control, but you know, looking at our sleep routines and things like that, we're already moving. How can we move a little bit better? Mm. So that's where I, and I work with a lot of dads and there was a comment that struck me about 18 months ago when I was sharing how I work train with uh, Ollie, my Indiana wasn't in the picture then. And most of the time I'm training with my son and his comment was my kids wouldn't let me train. And I thought, yeah, I understand your perspective there that they, you think they wouldn't let you train because they want to play with you and they want, they want 
your attention. So what if you give them your attention and you play with them while you're exercising? At the same time. Like my yoga class is not some zen (laughs) shavasana anymore like it once was. If I want to get it done and Ian's away, then we're all doing it together and there are lots of breaks and there might even be a bit of a breastfeed in between. And I still choose to do it that way because I would rather that than none. Absolutely. And I think it's in credit to you for that. My wife works mostly with mothers mm. and I, you know, the tradition, I say tradition and we're, we're actually the opposite to tradition in my family where I don't leave the house to work in the, since we've been in Sweden, I've barely left the house to work. All of my work is online. Mm. And I deliberately stepped into fatherhood with the vision of myself as a father being present and involved. Mm-hmm. And to me, what that meant was designing my business and our life to to support my wife to live her full potential because she didn't want to just be a mother either as mm-hmm. much as we love it that she didn't want to just do that. She wanted to, you know, excel in her coaching and her business and everything. And so I wanted to support her in that. But more than that, I wanted to be a present and involved father mm-hmm. and I wanted to be around all the time. I didn't want to have to disappear for days or hours on end. And I have zero judgment. A lot of men that I work with do that. And I have zero judgment to that. It's just how I wanted my life to be. And that's why I've designed it in that way. So when I hear about mothers and what you just shared there, and it's, it's really difficult. And it's that, that philosophy of it's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to put your healthy habits and routines first and in mixing them in with the kids uh, routines as much as possible. Mm. I think it's a really big mindset shift, even with the men I work with, but obviously mostly with the mothers who are so dedicated to and and spend so much time raising these beautiful kids. You guys have so much more pressure and demand and input than what us men do. And so for you to be able to put yourself first and prioritize in around all of that, I, hats off to to all of you because I'm super inspired by that. So that's why when I look at that video and when I've got my morning routines, I always think about what my wife and what all other mothers go through. And I think I've got the easy part. Like this is, mm. I, I can, I can't poo in peace, but I can do this. I can have them <laughs> screaming around me. I can still fit my cold shower in. <laughs> but I do like the reframing. You use that example of your client who said, my kids won't let me do that. Like I, I do... I hear myself say that in other ways, like I am good at prioritizing health. That's like my number one value. So even though I've got to push this pram with a big toddler and a one-year-old up the hills of Launceston, if that means that I get to go for like a, a walk and get my step count done, I'll do that. You know, I'll do the yoga with girls climbing all over me, but like the area that I'm not good at has been maintaining my friendships because I can't handle a phone call with someone while I'm also being like essentially screamed at. So I hear myself saying, oh, my kids won't let me do that. My kids won't let me have the phone call. But I don't know how that you, you can sort of reframe that, but it just makes me think about values. Like it comes back to your values. And I do think as mothers, we have to put ourselves first because that classic saying you can't pour from an empty cup. But I don't, I don't know what kind of mother I'd be like if I didn't get up early to go for that one hour solo time that I do get in the morning when Ian's at home, which is most of the time, really mm-hmm. I have my hour run or my hour walk, or I might go to F45 if I've actually slept. Um, and 
I can hand on heart say that I would be very reactive and not the kind of mother I want to be if I didn't make time for that. So that's like a non-negotiable for me every morning, even if I would rather sleep, (laughs) even if I am dead tired. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, a a good solution for the phone call is do it at 3am when you're up and uh, you can't get back to sleep. (laughs) What's that mean? Call your friend then. Everyone wants to look after the baby, but you're welcome to come over at 3am and look after the baby. You know, I'm available then. We have to do it by FaceTime and they have to get used to my Tourette's syndrome as I try and talk to like a one-year-old and a three-year-old and the person on the phone and they see the food going everywhere and there's blueberries and it's just like it is what it is. But most of my friends know it's season. I'm sure they will be there when I come out of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm fully hearing you too. And uh, what we do is, and it's often, it, it, it's a habit that established because of the time zone differences, but mm. we do it with people in our same time zone is uh, voice messaging a lot. And I know it's not the same as a conversation, but if you can send a voice message to a friend and then your friend is sending one back and there might be back and forth over a period of hours or even yeah. days if you can't get that conversation in, but you still feel that connection and you know you're connected and you're still sharing, it's it, it's beautiful. And like what we said at the beginning about it's so good to hear people when they're in the same situation as us yeah. and, oh, shit, it's our, our life isn't ending. This is what all parents go through. I think I might need to pay you to send me a voice memo. <laughs> 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 like, it's hard. I know that it thinks, I think of this connection piece. Like it was a convo that Cal Brock and I had um, in COVID with the isolation and how we mm. identified that isolation was worse for your health than smoking cigarettes. And that was like such mm. a huge epiphany for those of us in, especially in Victoria with the, just, I don't want to talk about COVID again, but just the the, the rules and the mandates and, and everything mm. that led to such collateral damage. Um, and motherhood or, or fatherhood, I think, can feel quite isolating because you know that other people are doing it, but you're the only one then and there having to poo with an audience. I can't have mm-hmm. a shower by myself. Like, you know, it does sometimes, it can, great on you, if mm-hmm. I think you don't have practices and habits and then equally, I think staying connected with other people so you don't feel alone is really important because Instagram is the highlight reel and there's so many people mm. on there that um, just don't share the real stuff and I'm not into that. That's where we first started connecting about that meme that I shared where it was like, I have a question about toddlers. My question is, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> everyone else is like, oh, you know, my, you're my people. Like I feel yes. the same. Mm. Exactly. And that was when you had one. Yeah. And when you talk about there uh, with, with everything there that you're sharing, it, it just came to mind too. Some of the tools and strategies that I utilize that I know are really powerful. And I mentioned breathing there before. Mm. I find myself get treated often, regardless of the amount of work that I do. And even when we've had these short periods of time where the kids have slept and I'm energized and life's on track, I can still get triggered by their behaviors. Tell and me more. Tell me more. So the, <laughs> for example, with, yeah. uh, I say I was the perfect father up until my son hit <laughs> terrible twos and knew how to then refuse and say no and uh, started negotiated is yours like is your son a hostage negotiator like my child my daughter <laughs> uh not so much though it's more just lots of loud noise and mm. lots of uh yelling and screaming and is that yeah, what triggers I'm, I'm, you the noise it, it's not the noise it's mm. the i've never 
experience, this is what I, I came to realize. I've never experienced anyone that I can't communicate with that can just flat out refuse mm. and literally um, kind of throw your energy back in your face and can uh, actually, eh, no, I'll get to that shortly, but it's the, it's not the noise. It's the, it's the, the attitude, so to say. Mm. And so I find myself when I'm triggered in those states and I get angry and frustrated. And when I was really, really tired, not so long ago, I was getting angry and frustrated quite often and raising my voice in that anger. Mm. It made me scared. It, I thought, holy shit, that's not me. That's, and did you that's... feel in your body, you felt angry, you could feel yep. all those stress hormones because I can't deal yep. with that, but it's so like, yep. it's so, so... I feel it. Go on. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it would come out. It would mm. be that, that anger. Mm. And in those moments, it just felt natural to do. But then aside from that, and, and often pretty quickly, I just realized that was so inappropriate. That was so unnecessary. Here's yeah. a two and a half year old being a two and a half year old. Yeah. And what do I know about the human brain at two and a half mm. years old? So what I actually did was I went back to this book that I read when Ollie was born and I, I started reading it too early. So I went back to it again and it's called The Whole Brain Child. I've been reading The Power of Showing Up. So the same authors write The Power of Showing Up. Okay. That's how I got onto them. But carry on and I'll look up the author because I'm going to actually put all these resources in the show notes because these are awesome ideas. Yeah. So the whole brain child, because I remembered it, I was getting triggered a lot and triggered a lot and I just I was so disappointed in myself because that's Mm. not who I am, but it was a behaviour that came through at these times of being triggered. Mind you, there was so many yeah. times where it raised within me and I would use tools and strategies of mental reframes and of the breathing. And so they they worked a lot. So going to, I feel this anger rise up and I just focus on my breath. Just ignore all of the noise and focus mm. on my breath. Get out of my emotionally reactive amygdala and just come back to some yeah. common sense. Yeah. Or I would use a mental reframe and instead of just being angry and disappointed in my son, I'll just find something to be grateful for. Literally like yeah. utilizing gratitude in those moments. And it works Sweet. a lot. Mm. lots of times it doesn't and especially especially with sleep deprivation so the whole brain child just reminded Mm. me the science that i knew anyway but the brain actually doesn't develop properly it's the the way that they are behaving is the way they should behave it's the way that you and i would behave if our brain had not developed it's it's uncontrollable and just natural Mm -hmm. human evolution so that was and they're not doing it to annoy you yeah yeah exactly yep the author is um, Daniel Siegel or Dan Siegel, just for those Daniel, that want yes. to jot that down. Yeah, I was going to say Seligman, but that's someone else. So the whole brain child, pop that in the show notes as well, but carry on. Yeah. The other part of it that it taught mm. me was some actual uh, strategies. So the direct and reconnect, uh, sorry, reconnect and direct. And so in those moments and in those times where we might be frustrated that our toddler or child of any age, I'm not sure, I can't speak for any other ages, but (laughs) just emotionally reactive and screaming and whatever it might be, actually getting down to their eye level. And we do this at times anyway when we can laugh at their behaviors, but at the times where we're actually triggered, it's remembering to do it when we're actually triggered, getting down to their eye level. So connecting with them and actually telling them, I hear you, I understand Mm -hmm. you, I hear you, I hear Mm -hmm. you, and then letting it settle. And it might not settle in that moment, but that's all you need to do is connect at that that moment. And when you can, then you redirect. And so the redirection is of um, the 
the discussion or it's the redirection of your energy. It's the redirection as opposed to redirecting, oh, sorry, directing your anger at them or directing the, the problem at them. So it's redirecting things to show that everything's okay. And this isn't a, as big a problem as what we both might think it is, but it's the connection piece that's really important. You know, as you know, all human beings at, at all ages, subconsciously, whether we're aware of it or not, we just want to be seen, heard and felt. And so as parents, the more that we can see, hear, and feel our children, the better that is. And as adults, we want this as well. And this is a, a big yeah. challenge for a lot of people to be seen, heard, and felt. So that that connection is allowing them to be seen, heard, and felt. And one thing when I remember, sorry, I remember reading this when Oliver was born. And one of the things that I started saying was when whenever he hurts himself, whether it's small or big, I understand, I hear you. I understand. I hear you. I train myself to say that because I, naturally, what wants to come out is it's okay. Doesn't hurt. That I much. know. It's okay. Where do those You'll words come from? Where do <laughs> those words fine. come You'll from? It drives me crazy that we just say these things that literally must be from our parents or some generational thing. It's yep. gaslighting the child who is hurt. <laughs> yes. It actually is. You're okay. You're okay. Don't worry. They're hurting. Yes. We need to understand that. They are hurting. So it is for me, and it sounds like the same for you, it's like literally learning another language because our default is not actually appropriate. Absolutely. And that's been, you're exactly right, where I learned that other language right from the start. So that was a really good help. So it's really natural for me now, even if I know it's the silliest little thing and they're completely okay, either of the kids, my first response is, I hear you, I understand. And it's yeah. in Swedish because I speak to my kids in Swedish, but oh, I hear cool. you, I understand. I hear you, I understand. Mm. And, you know, even just those little kind of habits and how I aim to allow those to escalate and move through time with me. So that, that you know, that resource and that book in and for any parents listening, that's why I think it's really important that we're as well-versed as we can be because in those moments, and that's what I was getting to before, I actually reached out to a coach and got some kinesiology uh, through those processes because I was so disappointed of how much anger was coming up mm. and I knew that there was some inner child stuff coming through <gasps> and some shadow was, behavior. You're my person. You're my person. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. What did you learn yeah. from the session? Uh, a few different things and, and I knew a little bit already, but it was really good. But what yeah. I learned was uh, I was surprised that a lot of stuff came up about from when I was 14 mm. and there was periods of time where I was, that was my rebel years my yeah. rebellion years and I didn't feel seen, heard and felt. Oh, how interesting. Which was ridiculous because my parents and my grandparents were so amazing to me mm. and supporting me, but I was just in that rebellious, mm. hormonally dysfunctioned period of my life. Uh, so there was that part of it. But there was also earlier parts where um, I was parented in a certain way yeah. with anger and those kind of things that came mm. through. And not in, not in an abusive way. And, you know, my parents are amazing, but it's natural to be anger and they weren't emotionally, intelligently trained or versed, didn't have the strategies. And that was their way of parenting. And so it was triggering me and coming out and I knew this, but it wasn't enough to know it. And this is what I say Mm -hmm. to people. Knowledge isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power. So with that knowledge of me knowing, okay, here's some shadow behaviors and here's some inner child behaviors coming through, what am I going to do about it? So once again, our good friend, Amber, uh, I reached out to her straight away and I just said, I know you know this work really well, but I need a parent. I want someone who knows it from a parenting perspective 
and can do the deep work with me. Ah, uh, because she, she said, was probably pregnant at the time, but not maybe. She was anyway. pregnant, yeah. yeah. And she's she's yeah. been great, and she's she's a she's an absolutely amazing coach. And I've always said that it's not about whether someone is a is or isn't a parent with, with of the trust aspect, but for mm. me, it's just that uh, just that different understanding. And so the guy that she connected me with a really good kinesiology, and he's a parent, and so straight away we could connect with that, and I knew that there wasn't this sense of judgment or a misunderstanding of what I'm going through. And it's not just a shadow behavior. It's obviously something more than that. And, and he understood it from a parent perspective, but also then put that aside and just dove deep and, and did that work and took me on that journey. And, you know, through the breathing and through the, um, I guess, a sense of hypnotism, which is the work that we do mm. when we're in a kind of hypnotic, it's not deep hypnotized, but kind of a hypnotic state to be able to actually, settle the monkey mind and breathe through it and go back in time and actually establish where all of this is coming from. So it was really good mm. for me. And, and from that, once again, strategies. And so strategies to help me prevent strategies to help me refocus in those moments. Uh, and then also some different parenting strategies around uh, how we show our emotions to kids. So mm. I'm a massive proponent where I think being an athlete, I've always believed, and just, it's natural that I cannot improve to be the best version of myself without coaches or mentors. So although I'm a coach and a mentor to many, many people, and that's, that's my job, that's what I do. Sorry, that's not my job. That's my purpose. That's what I do. I don't have a job. Uh, it's, it's my purpose and my mission. I would be just numbed um, and wrong to think that I don't need that and that, yeah. that that should not still be a part of my journey. I invest tens of thousands of dollars every year into my personal and professional, but personal development. So it was a no brainer to me when that kept coming up that I need, I shouldn't say I need help. I choose to gain support through this because I well, know that insight, I think insight, understanding the knowledge and then what to do with the knowledge, even a download, a download, I think like to be heard, right? Like yes. that's why you chose a parent, like my acupuncturist who is now um, sort of a virtual support person for me. Um, we are doing this like, like what sounds crazy to say out loud, but this full ancestral healing. And it is like nothing I've ever experienced. And it's led me to like just learn so much about my family and my little Rose and she went through something really similar when her kids were young. And it's so nice to have someone who understands that. And I can see why you reached out to that kinesiologist. And I knew you were going to say you had coaches yourself because that's what you're so passionate about, getting the support, realising you're not superhuman, like you said, realising that it's it's not that you're like, unable to do it by yourself because you have all the tools and strategies, but that you shouldn't have to that you can connect yes, with exactly. other people. Absolutely. You know, I've re recently started working with a, a psychotherapist and I think it's important awesome. to sh share that. Like I've never actually had like official therapy. I've had lots of coaches and life co coaches and mentors and stuff, but this is a whole other kind of in child thing as well, like you're doing and that I've only had one session with her, but even that's just been amazing. And she's teaching me tapping, which is really helping my nervous mm. system because I'm triggered by being what I feel like yelled at, even though my kids are just sort of asking for attention. Mm. Um, that's a strategy for me that I'm finding really powerful that I've been taught before, but never used as like part mm. of my daily toolkit. Beautiful.
And so what you just said there is I love the saying where we often don't need to learn as much as we need to be reminded. Mm-hmm. And so you've done tapping before. So it's not mm-hmm. that you're learning about this whole new so tapping thing. Tens of years ago. Reminded. Yeah. Yeah. So you're being reminded at a time where you need to be reminded. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's hard not to have that regret. Like, why haven't I been doing tapping all this time? <laughs> Instead of being <laughs> so like, that's right, where the mental reframe it. comes <laughs> in. <laughs> and see, that, that mm. there is exactly a, a mental uh, a mindset or a, a story that people tell themselves that keeps them stuck. And so someone, why didn't I do this years ago? It's too late. Mm. Or why didn't I do this years ago? I'm, um, I'm not good enough. I'm useless or whatever the story is that follows through with that. Mm. So what you, so that's the reality of we're allowed to have these stories in our mind. However, it's when we get caught up in them and allow them to hold us back as opposed to shifting through them. That's where the, the real disempowerment comes from. And so understanding, you know, I shared this in the, the first chat that we had a couple of years ago around uh, understanding what our disempowering emotions and energetic conditions are and our bullshit stories as i call them the stories Mm. that raise that they're not the truth but we tend to believe them or let society think that they are the truth Uh, sorry let society dictate our internal environment of our mind and therefore we think that those those stories are the truth these bullshit stories but it's the ability to actually catch ourselves have radical take radical responsibility for our thoughts feelings and behaviors Mm. and be brutally honest with ourselves throughout these processes and in the same breath not do it on our own, like what you said, mm. and to have people to support us through that. Because more often than not, what I find is that and this goes back to understanding habits and routines and this clarity. A lot of people don't have a clear enough vision of who they want to be in the future, let alone what they want to do, but who they want to be. And like what you said, if you want to know what life's going to be like in 10 years time, have a look at what life's like now. And so we, we can reverse engineer that and just create an abundance of clarity about who we want to be in the future. Mm. And so our goals and visions are not a place to work towards, they're a place to work from in alignment with your saying mm. again. So if that's who we want to be in the future, that's who we need to be now in terms of exactly. our actions and decisions on a regular basis. Which is why it was so important for you to identify that you didn't want to raise your voice to your children because it would be too late when they were 20 to just be regretting the fact that you were yelling when you mm. don't want a parent like that. So you had to do the work as soon as you notice the pattern, even Absolutely. though it is quite, I mean, I find that kind of work great and worth it, but also exhausting. Like I'm completely Absolutely. wiped out when I do any kind of ancestral healing or inner child stuff. Like it's, yeah, it's full on, but worth it. Like I said, because you know, like I, like I said, it's going to be too late for you to be a yeller and mm. live to regret that. Like we've got to decide how we want to parent or live like now. And one of those clarity pieces is it's not just about creating a vision of what you want life to look like. I'm massive on, so I have a blueprint. I have my own personalized blueprint and everyone that I work with finishes their work with me with a blueprint or, or mm. we create it throughout time with a blueprint. And on the blueprint, we have our personal philosophy. What do we stand for? Mm. On the blueprint, we have our top core values and clearly identify what they are. And as a part of the process, we don't just clearly identify them. We redesign our lives to live in alignment with those values. Mm. On there is also our um, ikigai, which is a Japanese terminology for purpose. So we get to choose what our purposes are in life. And we don't just have one big 
main purpose. There's a purpose as a parent, there's a purpose in your career, there's a purpose in community. You get to choose what it is, but we become really clear on what we're choosing and we design our life to live in alignment with that. Mm. Also on the blueprint is one of my favorite is the FFA list. So the feel freaking awesome. And we list our top 10 things that make us feel freaking awesome. And for example, for me, it's cold showers and breath work. It's exercise, but also up there, and there's no order of the top 10 is love and affection with my gorgeous wife Mm. because oxytocin and just my love for her. And that's one of the things that makes me feel freaking awesome. Big belly laughs makes me feel freaking awesome. And when we look Mm. at the science of all of these things, it's no wonder that that makes us feel freaking awesome because it literally lowers our stress hormones and shoots out happy hormones and helpful and healthy hormones through the roof. So we become really clear on what's on our FFA list and then design our lives to ensure that we're doing these as often as, mm. often as possible. Uh, on the, the list is also our to-be list. On, sorry, on the blueprint is our to-be list. As opposed to our to-do list, it's our to-be list. Who do we want to be? And who is the version of us that we want and we choose to be? And so it's some core attributes and, and uh, answers around the to-be list. So to be grateful, to be loved, to be present, this, this to-be list. And then it's the, the three to five-year vision where we're writing down who we are, who we're with, what our career looks like, our family life, our health, our travel and adventure. It's at the bottom of the blueprint. All these other areas are way more important because they're the things that we can do on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And when we keep showing up and we anchor into our blueprint and we live from that blueprint on a daily basis, it's a no-brainer that our visions, that we will live our visions. Will they be perfect to what we put down? No. However, we will be living elements of our visions. And it's so beautiful when you catch yourself. I'm sure you've done this before. Uh, it happens often for my wife and I, and we just realize, holy shit, remember this was just a vision five years ago or seven years ago when we we're sitting in a two-bedroom apartment in Sydney, both employed with no way that we could live on the other side of the world and travel and you know live in Spain and do this and do that. But the, the state we're in, but our vision was so clear and we knew what we wanted when we had kids. And here we are living that life. Yeah. And does it come without the challenges and adversities? Hell no. No, because I can't even imagine traveling from Sweden to Spain with a newborn and a toddler, but you, you do it, don't you? That's what you want to look like. Yeah. Yeah, the reality of that. But just that clarity, yeah. that piece of how you gain clarity is it's by choice as well. You get to choose what those things mean to you, but then it's the, the discipline to design your life to live in alignment with all of those things. And and I say that in the way where I'll never say to anyone, just quit your job like what I did and hope it all works out. Go <laughs> yeah. and move to another country and, and just like it's all bells and whistles. That's not what I'm saying, but that was in complete alignment with me and my wife and, and our visions. But it goes back to what we're talking about with busy parents and you know life is full on, but the more clarity you have of this blueprint, you find little ways that you can put it in because you also find little ways that you are avoiding those things or you know, your time ends up being consumed in other ways, but you can fit elements of this blueprint in on a very regular basis. And once you start to do that, that's why this phase that we're in right now, Steph, mm-hmm. is just a phase. And there'll be parents listening to this going, oh, you just wait, wait till they're, you know, three nages or whatever they call it, or wait till this phase. And it's like, no, we're not going to wait, but we're going to shift through it with mm-hmm. uh, in alignment. And that's why doing that work and, and committing to the process is like what you're doing and sharing there. It's it's that evolution to ensure that you are on that trajectory to live the life that you truly desire and deserve and not with the drug of hopium. It's with the, the drug of trust. 
because you're doing these kind of things. Yeah, such a powerful message. My goodness, you're a breath of fresh air. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> well, <gasps> I, forever except for at 3 a.m. when the kids are screaming and we're sleep deprived. Let's see what the conversation goes like then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would be a bit of a breath of fresh air at that time as well where we both say, okay, cool. Yep, you're dealing with that as well. well there, there, is <laughs> that, the only one. there is that mother or father hack to visualize the other people around the world who are also awake with their child at the same time to feel that, mm. that, that village per se, because like I said earlier, it can feel quite isolating. It feels like it's just you at times, even though intellectually, you know, it's not because any parent will go through it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My hack is honestly to, to focus back on the breath. Cause I get caught up in, Oh God, just go back to sleep. Like in my mind, just go back to bloody sleep. Don't you realize? Oh, and I think about the day ahead mm-hmm. and I just bring straight back to, and I feel my breath go through my nose. I feel my diaphragm expand mm-hmm. and I gently relax and feel it all come back through whilst I'm patting the bub to sleep or mm-hmm. holding her or whatever it might be. And I just consistently focus on that. And then five or 10 minutes has passed. It doesn't give me my sleep back. However, it, it stops me from, elevating my stress hormones at that time that are already going to be elevated. It stops me from feeling uh, like crap. It allows me to go back to sleep a bit quicker when I get back into bed because my mind isn't racing and and overthinking. Mm. So utilizing the breath in those moments really, really helps me. It doesn't stop her from her behaviors and, you know, doesn't stop me from getting out of bed, but it helps minimize the impact of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, life can be hard enough without you making it harder by going down that line of stressful thinking or choosing Mm. those negative thoughts, which is easy to do when you're thinking about the next day. And I definitely am guilty of having this anxiety around how I'm going to get through the next day, even though I always do. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) I'm guilty of those thoughts as well. And then one more resource because I'm also reading a book called Reconciliation, Healing the Inner Child by mm. Tick Nat Han. And I haven't read much of it, but the, the first couple of chapters is literally all about mindfulness and breath work. And it's such a powerful reminder mm. of those foundations, like you talk about with all your clients and you've shared with us today. I just, I'm really finding it to be such a powerful reminder. Like I spend my life teaching others the power of the foundations when it comes to nutrition and things like that. But the same applies to the power of of the breath and that sort of whole concept of mindfulness, which is movement in life with your children. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's like uh, in life, we're allowed to be addicted to things. So choose your addictions wisely. And I say, I'm addicted to gratitude. I'm addicted mm. to optimism. I'm addicted to the breath. I'm addicted to learning about how we operate as human beings. And I think that they're healthy addictions because of the support that it brings through. So for everyone, uh, if if people say that addictions are bad, just reframe that and choose your addictions wisely. So good. <laughs> I'm addicted so to cold good. showers. I'm addicted to the things that make me feel freaking awesome. The FFA list, and mine is RYM. It's um, ra- uh, sorry, RYM. RYV, raise your vibration, but very similar, those lists of non-negotiables. So, yeah, absolutely love that. That's so yeah. awesome. Let's make sure it's not too long between episodes next time. Absolutely. Yes. So good to have you back on the show. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for having me and thank you for all the listeners for um, whatever you got out of it, whether it was a laugh or a smile or a or, or an actual tool or um, a resource, whatever it might be. I'm, I Honestly, the way I started is the way I'll finish it is that I'm super grateful for everyone listening today because as you know, Steph, time is precious, especially with children and family life and business and work and whatever else, time is very precious. So for people who are tuning into your podcast, they obviously gain an abundance of value from it. So I'm super grateful if they're still listening to the end here and um, have gained some value from it as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again, my friend. So good to connect again today. Likewise. Thanks again. Chat soon. There you go, legends. I trust you gained some value from that chat with Steph and I, and you'll hear more from Steph soon when I have her on this podcast again. We'll talk a lot about health and different areas of health. We won't go into all of this chat again about toddlers and the parenting struggles and the the laughs that we had. I'll be picking Steph's brain about some really great health tips and strategies and some specifics around nutrition. So it'll be very, very informative. If you're finding this podcast valuable, I'd be super grateful for you to share it around with anyone else who you believe will also gain value from it. I'd be super grateful for that. Keep thriving, legends, and as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact. <laughs>